Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 30th day of May 2014. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 69, and we will start with the first, we will read two paragraphs to begin with, the first paragraph for context, and then the second paragraph will be for discussion, and we reviewed our own conduct. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Lois, 12 Traditions, Julie R., and then Sally, Deb W., Kim, and Hoodie. And the share code for yesterday, Thursday, May 29th, is 6402, 6402. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees from members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive overeating and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that People who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Lois to please read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Lois in Massachusetts. The 12 steps, number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and uh, meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as as the result of these steps, uh, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I will pass. Thank you, Lois. And I will now ask Julie R. to please read the 12 traditions. Hi, this is Julie. 
compulsive overeater from California. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today, we are resuming our study of the big book. We're in the chapter, How It Works. We are on page 69, and we are going to be starting with the paragraph, we reviewed our own conduct for contacts and going on to the second paragraph in this way, and that's going to be the paragraph we will be um, talking about. And with that, I am going to ask Sally if she would read for us, please. Yes, good morning, Monica. Good morning, a vision for you. Sally A., recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. We reviewed our own conduct over the years past. Where had we been selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Whom had we hurt? Did we unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? Where were we at fault? What should we have done instead? 
We got this all down on paper and looked at it. In this way, we tried to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. We subjected each relation to this test. Was it selfish or not? We asked God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. And so here in this paragraph, in this way, we try to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. That's, that's a little way over my head for me to be able to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. They're, they're letting us know that that's, that's the goal. And, but now they lead us to, we subjected each relation to this test, was it selfish or not, which we recognize as being uh, a column on our sex inventory. And finally, here we go into this prayer, because whenever we see, we ask. It's a prayer. And they have three times that they, they give us a prayer that's involved with the sex inventory. And each of our inventories, of course, has a prayer that's connected to it. The resentment inventory has the sick man's prayer. And then the fear inventory has, has the, the fear prayer, um, which we just saw on the, the bottom of 68. And here we are now in the sex inventory, and we see we have the, the sex inventory prayer. And this is the first part. There's three parts. We ask God to mold our ideals and help us to live up to them. And I like that it's here. It's right here because when it tells me that I should be shaping a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life, that's just way over my head. And so when I can immediately, when it tells me I can turn to God and I can ask God to mold my ideals and to help me to live up to them, right away I feel a relief, a surrender, and a calming in my spirit. The restlessness and irritability just goes away. That I don't have to even do that. That God will do that for me. I remembered always that my sex powers were God-given and therefore good. And, you know, when I look at that, I have to tell you that right away I think about me and my salesmanship skills because I have, you know, great salesmanship skills. My kids won't buy a car without dragging me with them to a dealership because I know I have great salesmanship skills. But, you know, I recognize now that when I do go to buy something expensive, I often interject my sex powers. You know, I, these are lots of men are swarming around, and I want to get the best price, and I will turn on the charm. That's something that I have I've done. Where did I learn that? I don't know. But I am very cognizant of it today. And it's not my joy to even announce that I have done that or that I have even recently have done that because I'm seeing so much more clearly than I ever did before how I use my sex powers. But they are God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be despised and loathed. But I do have to be cognizant of it, and I have to be always looking at my motive. And that's the key here when it asks us to ask this question. Was it selfish or not? 
a very important question. What was my motivation? And I just want to say before I end that I, I had a lot of phone calls and emails yesterday about the, this, these readings that we were doing yesterday morning and, and people that were coming to me who are not on step four, that are on step one and two and three, not on step four. And I just want to say for the newcomers, the reason this inventory comes last is because, yeah, this is tough. But the fourth step inventory, while we are given many different opportunities, to, we're reading words that warn us that we shouldn't put it off, that we need to do this fourth step inventory. Please let me say to the newcomer, don't put yourself into a swamp that you're not at. If you're not at step four, yes, read along with us, learn with us, and you'll get there when you get there. But don't put yourself in the swamp because the fourth step is a bit of a swamp and you want to get in it and get out of it as quickly as possible. Thanks for letting me share with that, I pass. Thank you, Sally. And would anyone like to comment on the second paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is, <clears throat> pardon me, this is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Go ahead. Yes, good morning, Monica and everyone. This is uh, Janice, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I just have one comment. We asked God to mold our ideas and help us to live up to them. We just read on the previous page, we ask God to help us to be what he wants us to be. Uh, this is This is the purpose of the whole program, but mostly... Why do we ask God? Well, I, I can remember reading in XXVII that frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices, which means, you know, we're going to ask this one and we're going to ask that human being, what should we do, what should we do? And, um, you know, the only one that's going to be the judge of us and the only one that really knows the ideal for me is the one that created me, and that is the God of my understanding, and it works all the time, trust me, because I'm powerless. If I, if, if I could fix my behavior in the sex department, um, then I would have, but I can't. So I have to ask a power greater than myself, and that's a power greater than any human being. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, this is Monica, and I'll jump in here then. Okay, so here we are. We're working on our sex, con our sex inventory, and we're being asked here to try to shape a sane and sound ideal for our future sex life. Okay, so the paragraph up above, we've answered each of these questions with every person on our sex inventory. We've answered this question with that relationship or, or whatever it was. Was I selfish, dishonest, inconsiderate? Did I hurt anybody? Did I hurt that person? Did I hurt other people around me? Did I, did I unjustifiably arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? You know, where was I at fault? What should I have done instead? That's very important. What should I have done instead? So in this ideal, this is what we're going to answer. What kind of principles should I have here? Well, if I found that I've been quite selfish, what's the opposite of being selfish? How about thinking about somebody else, loving somebody else, caring for other people? If I've been very dishonest in a lot of my relationships, 
well, what's the opposite of dishonesty? How about being honest, Monica? You know? How about if you don't, uh, you know, you don't use somebody just because you want to go to the dance or this or that or whatever? And this is what the, they're, they're trying to get us to see. We've answered all these questions. Now, what are the principles that we should be using instead? And we're being asked to write this out in a paragraph or two. What would I like my life to be from now on? You know, if I've been one messing around with people, well, maybe it's, you know, time to be in a monogamous relationship. I, I don't know. You know, this is different for everybody. But this is what we're being asked to do, to ask God in prayer to help us see how we should be. And it really boils down to loving and tolerant people and being kind, being a good person, you know, to everybody, not just sexual uh, relationships. And with that, I will pass. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Lois. Go ahead, Lois. Hi, good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Excuse me. Uh, In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. Well, for me, this was the beginning of trying to work these steps. In step three, I was asked to include God, you know, to go to God, that he would help me when I made a commitment to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Well, I was just a very you know, baby at doing this. I was taking baby steps, and um, and when I did my when when I did my fourth step, I did it as uh, as best I could. But I still had, and I, this is what came to mind with this too. I still had a lot of denial and fear about. Uh, I didn't have that ability to um, to be totally honest with my list, either list. You know the the ones the uh, resentment list or the sex life or the fears. I really didn't know a lot still. I was very deeply uh, everything was deeply buried for me. So uh, this was the beginning of a lifetime practice for me, God willing, that I asked God to show me what He would have me be and what He would have me do, and and I did that with honesty and earnestness. As, as much as I had then, as much honesty and earnestness as I had at that time. And it was the beginning, like I said, of my lifetime practice. And, and, um, and some things came up, but as I continued to work on my recovery, which is a process, and go on to do, you know, five through nine, well, that was when each, each new awareness came to me much later on sometimes, especially by going to meetings, this meeting and other meetings, and listening to other people share. But for me, it was a commitment, and it was the opening of a door, and God continued to teach me as as I continued to live this program. And uh, so if, if everybody, if you're new and you're just doing these processes and these steps and you don't get, you know, all of these answers right away, you know, just be patient because it is, it is a, it's an opening of a door, you know, that, that God can and will uh, reveal more to us as we continue our recovery. So thanks, and I'll pass, Monica. Thank you, Lois. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Kim. Hannah. Okay, I heard Kim and then Hannah. Go ahead, Kim. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it. 
And um, I like the way that Sally um, pointed out that if we're not at step four, we don't need to worry about doing step four. Just think of this as a big show and tell operation. It's important that we get grounded in steps one, two, and three before we do step four. And why is that? Because if I had just come in here today and opened up this page and said, whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it, let me tell you what my ideal would have been. He has to have blonde hair. He has to have blue eyes, at least six feet tall. He has to be athletic. He has to be make me laugh. And he has to be trim and fit. And a good six-pack would be a great bonus. And that's not what this is talking about. It's not we're pursuing our ideal because we're, look, once again, looking outside of ourselves to be satisfied. When it says, what is our ideal? I'm not asking what type of boyfriend I want. I'm asking what type of girlfriend should I be? What, what, who am I going to be in a relationship? And I want to grow towards that ideal. Because already having done the resentments and the fears, I'm seeing where I am selfish, dishonest, resentful, and fearful, and that has created futility and fatality. So as we go into these, 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 these sex conduct, and to me they're relationships, how do I want to act in a relationship? Because if I become the girlfriend that I want to be, then I will attract the boyfriend who is going to be attracted to that person. If I don't change, if I don't grow towards this ideal, I am still going to attract those six relationships that I've always had. Well, that's what I'm asking God to do is how, what kind of ideal am I? And just a sneak peek in the future because these are relationship prayers. I use these as relationships. So, for example, when I'm praying this prayer, I don't ask for the ideal of my mother I ask for the ideal of what daughter I should be. If I'm using these relationship prayers for my coworkers, I'm not asking what type of co how my coworkers should be. I'm asking what type of coworker should I be. And then I'm going to grow towards it. How do I grow towards it? I grow towards by completing that inventory and making 10, 11, and 12 a part of my discipline for living. So let me read that again. Let's look at that differently. Let's look at that about the ideal of what type of person does God want to help us to be. Because once again, I can't change the outside environment. I can only change myself. So whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow towards it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Hana, you're up. Hi, this is Good morning. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm Hana. I'm, okay? Hana? Okay. Yeah. Yes. I'm Hana. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Colorado. Um, you know, when I was new, brand new to program, when I came to program, I was desperately in love with someone I worked with closely who was married. Um, I was, I, I certainly wasn't ready to do a fourth step, but this prayer really helped me. And the idea that I could ask whatever this higher power was for help with this, was a huge relief to me. Just, just like the prayer on the previous page about we asked God to remove our fear, I could use that when I, the first day I was in program. I didn't have to wait to be on the fourth step in order to find help in these prayers. Um, and that, it, it also, it was this huge... It, it was a relief to me that, oh, that's mentioned here. <laughs> it, 
you know, sex is mentioned and sex relations are mentioned in this in this spiritual context. And that that was really um that was a new idea for me. So I I, I want to I want to encourage anyone who's new to feel free to use the prayers, you know, wherever, in in they in very concrete ways for me to say, oh, okay, God, you have to restore me to sanity with respect to this person, with respect to my feelings for this person, um, and I'm willing to turn my will in my life with respect to this person over to your care. So these prayers, as always, the prayers bring me back to the first three steps, the admission of powerlessness, the coming to believe that I can be restored to sanity, and then asking for that. With that, thank, thank you. Thank you for the meeting. Thanks for everyone who talks and for everyone who listens. Now pass. Thank you, Hannah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph before we move on? Ralph, New York. This is Paula. May I share? Okay, I heard Ralph and Paula. Go ahead, Ralph. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for being there. This is Ralph in New York City, recovering this program. We remembered always that our sex powers were God-given and therefore good, neither to be used lightly or selfishly, nor to be deprived, deprived and loathed, despised and loathed. You know, it, it, it's sometimes so distorted for me, you know, having been sexually abused as a kid, um, it's still, I still fight this. And I guess I never really did a fourth step on my uh, sex powers and, and my sex life because it's always been something that's been so under the radar for me to really have to look at the sex issues because, as I said, at such a young age, it was so distorted that sometimes I still struggle with the good and bad of sex. But knowing that this is something that I can give to God and that I can be restored to sanity around these issues is really something that makes me feel very, very empowered today. And I'm glad we're reading on that because it's really something that I feel is the core of, I I believe it is probably the core of why I was compulsively overeating for many, many years. So in reading this again, that this is something that I can give to God that I can work through and be able to enjoy sex in a good way um, and knowing that it is God-given is a relief to me. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Ralph. Paula, you're up. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. And first, I, I seems that I've stepped on some people on my mute and unmuting, and I do apologize for that. And I guess we see this clearly even in this paragraph. That's what we're looking at. We've stepped over people in whatever way. But I'm going to go down to that last because I love endings. And here, what an ending. In meditation, I'm going to scoot right on to that line. We ask God what we should do about each specific matter. Because they may be different one from another. My reasoning, what I went into it with, what I went into it expecting from. There's the difference. But then it says, and here I love the answer, the right answer. Here's the promise here. Don't miss this one. 
the right answer will come if we want it. See, I knew my part today. Did I want the right answer? Well, you know, I'm going to take a step back here. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm, provided what we do not bring still more harm in so doing. In other words, we treat sex, because I harmed in many areas, resentment, fears, and here too. Here too. Any other problem, don't make it bigger than or lesser than. Any other problem. And then we come to that final line that I already read, and I'll tell you, I live daily in meditation. God, what we should what we should do about each specific matter. And we end with the promise. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. And Deb, let's, uh, would you read the next paragraph, please, here? Sure, Monica. This is Deb W., uh, a, a recovered compulsive eater in uh, Oklahoma. <clears throat> Whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. We must be willing to make amends where we have done harm provided that we do not bring about still more harm in in so doing. In other words, we treat sex as we would any other problem. In meditation, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter. The right answer will come if we want it. And this kind of reminds me uh, back when I was just came to OA and I was doing inventory, and uh, one day it popped in my mind, uh, I also was uh, recovered uh, from a sexual abuse, but it popped in my mind about a family member that I knew who was uh, had sexually abused uh, someone I knew uh, when they were little, and no one told anyone about it. It was kept. And this family member's mother and I were real close, and I went to her and I told the secret that I had held for so long. And of course, she was real kind and we talked and she talked as though, you know, she believed me and et cetera, et cetera. But when we left the conversation, it all changed. And these were her children and she got very defensive and they all got very uncomfortable with me. And I swore I would never, ever, ever do that again. Well, Brick, come today, not too many months ago, I had a sponsee who had had uh, a sexual uh, abuse from one of her family members that she was involved with, with, and it was on her inventory. And so my first thought is, you know, and it happened years and years ago, and so my first thought was, oh, gosh, we got to get to the bottom of this. What should we do? Well, fortunately, I knew this was bigger than me. And I, you know, we decided to pray about it. And several days, maybe even weeks went by. We left this on the very last of the work that was to be done, the amends and all that. And so we prayed and we asked several recovered people. And uh, by the end of the inventory, it came to both of us, which was so crazy. It came to both of us during the conversation that the focus was on her part. And the amends that she made was for what she felt 
how she responded to the information that she knew. So I'm what well, I'm saying all this to say that we never know how God will have us resolve the matter. And you know, had I could have I done it over again when I was inexperienced, I probably would have because it didn't nothing good came from that first experience. And um, you know, it's just um, that's just what I wanted to share. Thank you. Uh, who would like to be the next person to share this morning? Oh, this is can Katie. Katie, can you hear me, Katie, can you hi. hear me now? Hi, Katie. <laughs> hi, Katie. You can go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie, off a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia, and <clears throat> whatever our ideal turns out to be, we must be willing to grow toward it. So this. You know, to me, they're saying here in this paragraph that it's not like we just wake up one day and say, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. And then everything else that we've ever done in our lives, suddenly we, we, we don't ever do that again. And we never think about it again. And we never do that again. We just become, you know, <clears throat> this perfect ideal person. Um, and, of course, you know, that's not what happens. I mean, we have to be willing on a daily basis to turn over, um, as, you know, Kim put it, um, our relational actions. Like, you know, and I I think about how I was when I got abstinent. And, you know, I just didn't think that I, you know, and what um, what Sally shared, you know, all those all those behaviors of, you know, being flirtatious and, um, you know, getting my way through manipulation, you know, all of those things had to change and they didn't change in the blink of an eye. You know, I just had to learn to um, be willing to look at myself in a different light and be willing to see that, um, you know, I can't go back. I mean, this is, this is talking about the future, and, you know, with the assumption that you've already cleaned up the past. Like, we can't move forward by just, you know, throwing some dirt over the old stuff and um, hoping that it won't, you know, uh, peel away from the dirt. I mean, we have to clean up the past before we can move forward in, um, in how we are going to do things. And, you know, this has been a continuous process. You know, when I got in here, when I got abstinent, I was single, um, <clears throat> and now I've been married for 19 years. And, you know, I had to learn uh, in, in uh, you know, there were six years that I was in recovery, and I wasn't married. And I was learning how to date and what my ideal was, you know, and, and as uh, – Kim shared, you know, it wasn't, it can't be just on the outside what I'm looking for. It's 
It's what I'm looking for on the inside of a person. And in order to find that person, I had to become that person myself. Um, and, you know, it's just amazing the way God worked things out for me. And it was absolutely nothing that I could have orchestrated on my own. And it doesn't mean that it was easy. It was not easy. There were times when I was so scared and heartbroken and, you know, couldn't figure out what was going on. But, you know, through it all, God has been with me. And that is because of my willingness to surrender my ideas and to ask for a new idea. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Laura? I'm presuming, I'm presuming you're hearing me. Laura? Laura, go ahead. Good morning. Thank you so much. Good morning, everyone. This is Laura W., Recovered Compulsive Eater and Anorexic in South Jersey. This is a great paragraph. Whatever our ideal turns out to be, you know, they're not telling me here that what my ideal has to be. It's, it's telling me whatever your ideal is, whatever you, um, you feel is your ideal for a new, a new you, a new future, um, you must be willing to grow toward it. And, you know, the first 100, they, they rarely tell me in this book what, um, what's required, you know, what, what I must do. Um, they tell me, you know, they give suggestions. They call, they call the 12 steps suggestions, um, just like it suggested you pull your ripcord, I think, when you jump out of a plane. But, um, but when they use the word must, you know, it's, they're pretty strong words that if you want to recover, if, if I want to recover, if I want to become a new person, um, I must be willing to make amends where I've done harm. And they're talking about sex here just like they talk about fear and just like they talk about resentment. It's in the, you know, it's the same category. It's, it's, um, we must be willing to make amends provided that we don't bring about still more harm in doing so. Therefore, this is a reminder for me, I need to uh, look at my part only. I need to disregard what the other person did, and I need to look at my part in this sex inventory. Look at it like any other problem. And then I ask God, just like any other problem, any issue that comes up in my life, I pause, I ask God what I need to do about each, each specific matter. And if I've taken the first three steps thoroughly, then the right answer will come, and I will believe that the right answer will come because I will have turned my will and my life over to my higher power. You know, this for me... It's it's a process, and thank thank God it doesn't have to be done, you know, in one day, and it's not com- and it's never complete for me. But this is a way to let go of my old self, that old selfish, ego egocentric, egotistical person, and become a new person with God as my director instead of being self reliant. And that, that ego has to be smashed. And somebody on this line, many last year or the year before, said that ego is a way of dividing where spirituality is a way of joining. And I love that because if I'm living a spiritual life, I'm joining. I'm in communion with God. I'm in communion with my fellows. I'm, in, you know, I'm, I'm turning away from self. And that's what this is all about. Thanks for letting me share. Pass. Thank you, Laura. Would anyone else like to comment on this before we move on? Sarah? Sarah. Go ahead, Sarah. Uh, good morning, Monica. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everybody. Um, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um, I was just looking at the fact that in the first two sentences it says willing, um, and I and I also think it's not a, a task that we complete. We grow toward it. And I think, you know, for myself and so many other people, 
um, that I've known in in recovery that, you know, we, we all think that, you know, we should be done with it. <laughs> we get to arrive, and there is no arriving that, you know, it's, um, you know, this is a very vulnerable part of the of the program because we're, um, as somebody talked about yesterday, you know, eating is a vulnerable thing that we do. It's it's a it's a such a personal thing, um, taking food into our body, and communing with somebody in a in a um, in a way where we connect with them, uh, not only in a physical manner but you know emotionally, truly allowing somebody to know us and to, um, you know, I, I think, I guess the idea is, you know, we all want acceptance. We all want acceptance. And are we able to accept what the other person is capable of giving? Now, you know, the thought is, for me, you know, I'm, I'm married, and, and what I see is that my ideal uh, may not be what my husband's ideal is, but I need to work towards the ideal that I think God has for me. And I need to remember that I, I am willing to make amends. So, you know, as other people have pointed out, it, it is about motive. My motive needs to be pure and good, not for the greater good of what I'm going to get from it, but what I can give to it in a healthy manner. And, you know, the idea at the end of this uh, paragraph where it says, you know, we ask God what we should do about each specific matter, I can use that through, through the rest of my life. Uh, you know, and the right answer will come if we want it. And so I need to let God know that that's, that's what I'm willing to do, to do God's will, not to do Sarah's, and not to get what I want, but to be able to give the way God wants me to, to give and to be grateful for what I get, whatever it is. Kind of like the same way with an amend. You know, when I make the amend, it's not what I'm going to get from it, it's what I'm giving to it. I'm letting somebody know that I have done them wrong, and how can I make that right? So I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, it kind of did to me, and I wish you all well, and have a good day, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Kim, would you read, please? Thanks, Monica. God alone can judge our sex situation. Counsel with persons is often desirable, but we let God be the final judge. We realize that some people are as fanatical about sex as others are loose. We avoid hysterical thinking or advice. And uh, I have to giggle at that last sentence. You know, we avoid hysterical thinking or advice. Because I think about my first 10 to 15 years of OA when I was sponsoring in a way that was just trying to control. You know, I admit I'm on, my life is unmanageable, and then I went out and tried to manage other people's advice. So kind of what I specialized in was hysterical thinking and advice to other people about stuff that I knew nothing about, knew nothing about. I did not even kiss a guy until I was 26, and I'm trying to advise people how to handle their marriages and their sex lives. It's absolutely insane. So what is my job as a guy? What is my job as, as someone who's working with someone going through this fourth step, we're there to guide them to be with God. It says God alone can judge our sex situation. So what is this whole process about? It's getting us in touch with that higher power. So as a sponsor, I'm trying to guide that person to their higher power so they can decide with God what that balance is. You know, whether they need to loosen up because they're overly rigid or maybe they need to tighten up because they're overly loose. I have no idea. That person with God can decide what is the right balance. 
what is right for them so that they can stay connected to God, connected to the other people, and connected with themselves. So I just think it's a very simple formula. We are not here to judge. We're not here to be the arbiter. My job as a sponsor is not to tell you right from wrong. My job as a sponsor is to guide you through this process so you can have a connection with a higher power so that you can have peace and serenity and joy around the arena of relationships. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. And would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Okay. Well, then let's move on to the next paragraph. Oh, yeah. Hi. Hello. This is Denise. Denise. Go ahead, Denise. Hi, this is Denise in East Tennessee. Uh, you know, I am just working on my fourth step, beginning my fourth step, and I have to say that it's just really uh, encouraging to hear the shares this morning because when I thought about this category, notice I didn't even say sex. <laughs> um, I just went, ew, I don't want to talk about that. It's too personal. And now that I hear these shares, I'm thinking, hey, you know, it's way beyond the actual um, act, physical act. And so I think it gives me um, encouragement to uh, move forward and and get this part of my inventory done. So I just wanted to say that, and I thank you for letting me share. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Denise. And let's move on to the next paragraph. And Hoodie, could you read that, please? Good morning, Monica. This is Hari, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, suppose we fall short of the chosen ideal and stumble. Does this mean we are going to get drunk? Some people tell us so, but this is only a half-truth. It depends on us and on our motives. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things, we believe we will be forgiven and will have learned our lesson. If we are not sorry and our conduct continues to harm others, we are quite sure to drink. We are not theorizing. These are facts out of our own experience. And yes, um, I like these. These are facts of our experience. These are, you know, this, this is the truth. The truth of the, this is because I was able to. I went through this stuff, and hearing to hearing how it worked, we're just dealing with um, this um, this. What is this, this chosen sex ideal for me um, to stop? And, and this whole new, it's just this whole practicing my new thinking and my new behaviors, and this will practice, it will lead me to a new way of living. And I often hear a lot on the line, is, you know, it all starts with acting as if, acting as if um, and showing that, yes, I am sorry for what I have done. And... Um, now I get to um, work work towards um, progress um, governed by these principles in this program, and um, and I don't have to anymore rely on those emotions because those emo- those emotions were like a roller coaster in my life. And um, today, what is what is my what is my motive? What is what is the motive behind it? And um, and let let's. To 
surrender surrender to my higher power because my um and um and what what should be the right ideal and you know yes i can make a commitment and you know in in my experience i did say yes i was wrong and now i i i learned my lesson and now with all of you god is showing me god is showing me how to um live in right alignment and do the the, the right thing and i just welcome everyone to the line and thank you for letting me share Thank you, Hoodie. Would anyone like to comment on this paragraph? Please. This is. Can I share? I heard someone before Bella. Leanne. Leanne. Okay, Leanne, and then Bella. Hi. I just. Um, this is Leanne, recovered, um, anorexic and um, compulsive reader in Florida, and I just wanted to uh, uh, say that how this reminds me, how this reminds us, how. Um, if we don't, you know, toe the line, we will get drunk. You know, we will go back to the food. And it's just a reminder, like, well, what's this got to do with going back to the food? Well, any kind of disturbance, any kind of dishonesty brings disturbance. And when I'm disturbed, my my natural tendency is to relieve myself, however. And, you know, the 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 chosen ideal for me is always to go back to my food behaviors and that's, you know, I like the way it brings it back to that, you know, like, this is what's going to happen. Like, ooh, yikes, you're right, I better do this. And I better stay honest, I better stay clean, I better I better deal with this area of my life, because that's, that's where it will lead. And it's, it's impossible to see that in the disease. And um, it's just reinforced again, you know, that's where I go, and that's what will happen. And I remember first reading that, when I first read the big book, I'm thinking, Wow, is that really true? I'll really go back to to the food if I don't go through this whole thing. So um, it's a good reminder, and that really that really stood out to me there um, when she just read it. So that's all I wanted to say. Thank you. Pat. Thank you, Leanne. And Bella, you're up. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody that is on the line. If we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let, to let God take us to better things, wow, it's such a freedom. I am so thankful that I am in the program because I learned that I have one power. I have the power to choose, to do the right choice one day at a time. And I accept and admit that I am human, and therefore I I do mistakes, and it's okay. This is the way that God created me, and God expect it. He doesn't ex- expect for me to be perfect. God is giving me all the time new opportunities to 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 do better, to act better, to behave better to do better, and if, and if I am sorry, yes, I, I realize, yes, that I did some mistakes. I did some mistakes because I didn't do, I didn't know better. Now, thank God, now, one day at a time, I am in a better place. I am in a better situation. 
I trust myself, I, myself more. Yes, and I can be honest with God and honest with myself to accept the fact that I did mistakes and I am choosing now, one day at a time, to say I'm sorry and to behave different, to act different, because today I believe different. Today I have a different belief, a different belief of myself, a different belief of my God, and a different belief on my communication and connected to God, to myself, and to other people. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella. And this is Monica. Monica and yes, go ahead. Who is this? No, go ahead, Monica. I'll wait. And who, and what's your name? Laura. Laura. Okay. All right. Um, so here we are. It's saying, well, what if we, what if we fall short here of our, our, cho- our ideal that we've written, and, and we stumble? Well, does that mean we're going to get drunk? And they're saying, well, it depends on our motives. You know, the whole purpose of us doing the four-step inventory and looking at our resentments, our fears, and our sex conduct is to be able to see things differently. You know, we're turning things around here and seeing things we never saw before. Now, if I didn't know that I was selfish and dishonest in my behaviors before, but now I see this as a result of all my writing, I do have a choice here. And it's called, Monica, you are 100% responsible for your behavior. And so what's my motives? You know, am I trying to change my behaviors? You know, recovery is a learning process. And, and, and during this process of doing these steps, we're, we're practicing new thinking. And it, it's shown scientifically, too. The more you do a new way of thinking, the next thing you know, you're going to start behaving differently, too. So if your motives are good and you're wanting to change and you're working at changing, if you mess up, it says, well, what are your motives? You know, if you're really working at it, okay, we'll keep on working. That's why we've got steps 10, 11, and 12 after we've gone through the process. Because we are going to screw up. But we've got steps 10, 11, and 12 to fix things up quickly and move on. You know, we're on a destination here. And... The path is our destination, this, this road to recovery, on recovery, continuous to the day we die. And what's my motive? You know, if I'm honestly trying to change, then, um, you know, God's going to help me. And I'll pass with that. And Laura, uh, you will be our last sharer this morning. Go ahead, Laura. Hi, Monica. It's Maura from Virginia. Sorry. Gratefully, no worries. Grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Um. I just wanted to go back for one quick question, back to whom did we hurt? I had hurt someone, and I had carried that with me for almost 15 years, and I had done fourth steps, but glazed over that particular area of my life. And then finally, a few years back, working with a big book sponsor, I was able to truly take a look at this. I had glazed over it because that person had passed. And I didn't know how to make an amends to someone who had passed. But I just needed to deal with it first in my fourth step. And when I read if we are sorry for what we have done and have the honest desire to let God take us to better things 
we believe we will be forgiven and we will have learned our lesson. I finally understood that meaning and was subsequently able to do an amends in the form of a letter and was finally freed because I opened my heart and I allowed God to do what he does. He forgives. And then I could go on with the rest of my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you. And I just wanted to say for everyone that's out there listening to all these discussions on the four-step inventory that we are just, you know, we're talking about the four-step. And like we said before, if you're not there, don't work where you're at. And with a guide, you will be brought through this step by step. And also I wanted to point out that on the page before it said we must be willing to make amends where we have done harm here with what we're discovering in our sex inventory. But we're, remember now, we're in step four. You are not making any amends at this point. Okay, That's later with your sponsor. And we have come to the end of our time. And I would like to thank everyone who has shared, and we'll now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And Deb W., could you read for us, please, from A Vision for You? Sure. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.